0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. It's Thursday, January 30th. We are working our way to National Signing Day. We got the Super Bowl coming up. Make sure that uh, you're checking out the Pick 6 podcast, Fantasy Football today. They are on site in Miami getting tons of great guests, good content. Uh, our friends there are grinding just as hard as, as we were at the beginning of this month for the National Championship game. So, Barton Simmons, uh, we've got uh, – this has been a week as that we referenced at the beginning. Where you really need to prepare for battle in your mentions as the final, the final, final. Player rankings of the 2020 recruiting class were released this week. I know a lot of work, a lot of meetings, a lot of fighting, a lot of conference calls go into those final adjustments. Uh, Brian Breesey, number one defensive lineman in the class, already signed and committed uh, to the Clemson Tigers. He finishes the cycle as the number one player in the class. Have you have you recovered? Were you surprised at all by any of the reactions, blowback, or otherwise from the final update to the player rankings?
1: I was not surprised. I was not. I was not rattled. That you know, it was actually, truthfully, uh, a fairly tame response. Um, I think because there was a lot of guys that moved up. You know, a lot of teams had some some good news, but most of those teams had some bad news too, and. Uh, It was sort of hard for people to really figure out how they felt about them, but ultimately uh, feel very confident in the, in the products and what we put out there. And uh, I think the, uh, for the most part, people who really paid attention and, and listened to all our breakdowns and deliberations and. Uh, they understood that, so I think it was a pretty, pretty successful release, all things considered.
0: Does any part of the 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 feeling of success, like how much, did because the, these players are getting sorted even after uh, many of them have signed and some of them have even enrolled in uh, in the schools where they're going to be at least starting their college careers. It, like, is it's do you have to make additional adjustments to players once they have arrived on campus? Or is it more other players that you're making adjustments to end up just sort of uh, messing up, not messing up, but at least changing the order? For example, when you've got a player who's already signed and is on campus, I mean, is there any more information that could make you want to move that player up or down in the rankings? Yeah, I think that's
1: a we get a we can cheat. I mean, like we're 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 not shackled by the same restrictions as a college program who has to recruit these guys and save a scholarship spot for them we can correct our work uh all the way up to signing day and so hey if if we're getting some info that some guy's coming in and can't bench press 135 pounds then uh, maybe that's uh, worth considering if we're like thinking about bumping him up or if we're getting some info that like last year Derek stingley has three interceptions in bowl practice uh, I mean, I think we're allowed to, 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 to factor that in to our, uh, our, our deliberations. And so I think it's actually pretty helpful. So the other thing that's helpful is um, w- you know, we can actually listen to the early signing period press conferences and hear what coaches think of these guys, mm. what you know, info or color they may add to a prospect that we may not have had access to or maybe just didn't, didn't know. Uh, Whether that be something about their background, something about where they were on this team's boards, you know, there could be uh, instances where we sort of dig in on a player that we might have just just sort of passingly looked at before, based on those press conferences. Because ultimately, all this thing is is just a it's just an info grab. Like we're just trying to get as much info on these guys as possible, and so the more info, the more uh, informed our decisions are.
0: All right. Well, as we uh, as we turn our attention towards the the National Signing Day and the completion of the recruiting cycle, a couple of headlines. And and I I hope that you're I I think that the listeners will like this, but I I hope, Barton, if you don't mind, I'm going to try to uh, engage you in a way that's not going to put you in in radio hit mode. Because I know that you've got that <laughs> locked and loaded, and so let's—I'm I'm trying to dig at least a little bit deeper. But there's going to be some things where you're just going to be a little bit more informed than I am, and so it will come out in a little bit more of a a, a question interrogation uh, type uh, environment, but. I think that for the for this national signing day, when we're looking at storylines and when we're looking at individuals that could change the way a class looks, and certainly could provide uh, an like incredible addition to the program in a way that a lot of fans are going to be excited about, it's going to be trying to follow the uh, the commitment of Zachary Evans, who is according to the twenty four seven Sports composite a five star prospect. He's got. I mean, what? where are we looking at? We got a, a Georgia in the mix. We got a Texas A&M in the mix. We got Tennessee in the mix. Um, I guess, number one, he's also, because this is a, another part of my question, 24-7 sports, you do have him as a four-star prospect, but, 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 that's him being the number 33 player in the country. If he was 32, would he have that fifth star? He would. Okay. Yep. So... Uh, your, your scout's eye on Zachary Evans and sort of where he falls in on the board and in the storylines for some of these top teams.
1: Well, Zachary Evans has been the number one running back in the country through most of the process. He's five 205 pounds or something like that runs a sick 40 time. He's got a sub four second shuttle. Like he's just a, he's a monster. He's, he averaged 12 and a half yards a carry as a senior. Um, but he's, his recruitment's been just totally bananas. And and he hadn't even been a bunch of commitments and decommitments. It's just this like almost stream of consciousness style uh, approach to the process. And you know, for example, he released a top 5 back in the summer that had no in state schools even though he had been considered sort of a, a favorite to land at Texas or Texas A&M through most of the process so okay what well, and and then he you know sets a uh, several announcement dates only to back off of them and then he has a silent commitment to one school only to you know silently commit to another and and so there's all these sort of like just smoke and mirrors with his recruitment and then he commits to – he he asked like kind of out of the blue. Georgia wasn't even really in the mix. He asked for an LOI from Georgia. They send it to him, and he signs with, with Georgia in December and didn't announce it, was going to announce it at the Under Armour game. Got cold feet, wanted to get out of the LOI. Georgia let him out of the LOI, and now there has been some buzz. He could circle back to Georgia. What? It depends on who you talk to and like that could actually be that you know that may or may not happen um it'll be interesting to see where he lands on campus this weekend um because that could could be an indicator there um you know LSU was considered a favorite they've sort of moved on Texas A&M which would really be a, like it make a lot of sense considering they need running backs it's it's
0: he's from 30 Houston minutes down the road yeah. from
1: Houston uh, but for whatever reason, he he just doesn't seem to want to end up at Texas A&M, uh, Florida State's trying to get him on campus. Tennessee got him on campus. Ole Miss Lane Kiffin got him on campus. Um, and then even like there was some rumors that that he you know I, I had heard that maybe he might even try to get out to USC this weekend. But I don't think that's going to happen. So where we're at is who the who, who the hell knows. Um, and the crazy thing about it is. He's already signed an LOI, so he's been released from that LOI. You can only sign one LOI, and so even if he makes a decision on signing day, which I expect he will, there's nothing binding him to that decision. So it's basically just gonna. It, it might just end up being wherever he shows up on campus in June is is where he goes to school. He's not even in high school right now. He graduated because he he wanted to potentially early enroll. So I guess if he enroll, you know, if he if he picks a school that has the quarter system or something that he could land somewhere in the spring. But other than that, we may have to just sort of, sort of see where the wind takes him before June.
0: So he is a true free agent more so than m- most college football players.
1: He, he is, he is a true free agent, but I think he's, uh, there's, there's been enough sort of just like, I like he's not a take everywhere at this point. So that's the thing because some, some schools are just not ready to deal with the, 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 the kind of the uncertainty and the headache of it all um and most and a lot of schools are full at this point so it's just a very unique situation and uh he is he's been a he's been a fun one to (laughs) to track
0: like like really fun to track uh must be the biggest headache to recruit
1: uh and And by the way, as we're just sitting here on this podcast, like I just because I was I was sort of (laughs) reaching out to people around the situation to just make sure I'm updated on the latest. And now it looks like maybe A and M actually could sort of be back in better position than we we, we once thought. So, um, yeah, it's gonna be uh, you know just just stay tuned for that one.
0: I mean, is it wrong of me to almost root just in terms of entertainment for? there to be like a walk out of the announcement press conference next Wednesday?
1: Uh, there could be a, I mean, <laughs> like he hasn't went like he's made some decisions. Like he's told coaches he's committing to them, but when it comes to actually like locking himself in and publicly committing somewhere, he's yet to do that. And so, I, you know, hey, I, I, anything could happen in a press conference.
0: All right. So among like, – is Georgia going to save – like, are all all these like big players going to save a space for them, at least your Georgia, your Tennessee? You mentioned Ole Miss, uh, Texas A&M. Like are those I,
1: – Like I don't I – mean not – Georgia may not necessarily. Like Georgia's, uh took a kid – another kid on campus last weekend, Dijon Edwards, who's an in-state kid that's, you know, a pretty good player in his own right. And Georgia may just say, you know, that's – we're going with that guy. And, um, you know, so I think the – I would assume the Ole Misses, maybe the Tennessee, like a and M. I I would assume that those three are, are have a spot for them. Florida State probably has a spot for them if he wants it. Uh, but, you know, like the nice thing about – I don't know the nice thing, but the new element of the, the transfer portal is you kind of got to save some room out – on the back end of your class for some transfer shopping, anyways. Sure. So, you know, teams can kind of just eat up one of those transfer spots uh, that they may have saved if they get a shot at, at Zach Evans. But again, hey, look, not every team's going to hold a spot for Zach Evans. That's just, in, in most years, a guy that highly rated, they would, but the kind of the circus around his recruitment has, has scared a few off.
0: Now, as the many of the top you know 20 30 prospects uh, within the class are going to they've they've already committed they've already signed in some cases they are already on campus and so there there get to be some players that are like just in the tier the next tier that end up getting a lot of attention because they are some of the most highly rated prospects that are left uncommitted, and they have some of the biggest programs in the country, programs that are competing for top five, top ten classes, sort of all going head-to-head over them. And and the one that stood out to me during my crash course for next week's coverage uh, was McKinley-Jackson a four-star on the composite, and in the 24-7 sports rankings, uh, top 10 defensive tackle in the country, sort of top 60, top 65 prospect, and he's got all of the usual suspects in the mix. We've got Alabama, we've got Auburn, we've got LSU, we've got Texas A&M. As you've been sort of following the the recruitment of this Mississippi native, uh, where, where do you think it will turn and what does it mean for whoever gets them?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's taken an official visit this weekend to Texas A&M. He's visited LSU. Uh, he visited Alabama back in the fall. Uh, he's he visited Auburn back in December. Those are the four schools that are sort of technically in it. Uh, but he's the I, I'd say he's like the top sort of more traditional recruit here to keep an eye on in this this signing class in this 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 uh, J- February signing day um, as probably the the most highly touted kid who has a recruitment that could kind of go in a lot of different ways. Alabama is considered the favorite. He's a Mississippi kid. They just got the old Misty line coach, Freddie Roach, former Alabama player that helps a little bit, but Alabama has been in good shape for a while there. Um, But again, he took a visit to LSU Ed Ogeron has has stole one from Alabama already this year and Eric Gilbert Um, and Texas A&M has got a chance to impress him this weekend. So, uh, this this is going to be – that's sort of the one to, to eye. Um, and I, and if, if LSU lands McKinley Jackson and if they're somehow able to land Jordan Birch, who is another kid who is a five-star from Columbia, South Carolina, committed to South Carolina in the early signing period but didn't sign and took an official visit to LSU last weekend, this, this 6'5", 290-pound defensive lineman – if LSU were able to land those two guys, they would have a shot at, at taking over as the number one class, depending on what else happens with uh, Alabama and Georgia. But um, so that's something to watch, you know, can LSU get that number one class with the furious at Orgeron finish?
0: Does, so does Clemson not have it locked up and are they basic, or are, are they in the mix? Clemson's
1: for- Clemson's like out for number one now.
0: Wow.
1: Cause they're done. They're done. And they're, right. they, they, they're they're now sitting at number three. It's they're they're literally decimal points away from number one, but they don't they don't have any. They're, they're, there's no room in their class. They're not taking anybody else, and there's still Georgia and Alabama above them. Are still still going to add one or two guys.
0: Georgia and Alabama in the mix. LSU only if it can get Jordan Birch and uh, McKinley Jackson.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: So LSU. So if if they do land them both, do we ascribe the like Coach O has been able to to take that national championship win and sort of uh, you know create a wake of success that's going to allow him to clean up? Or do you think that the way that LSU has traditionally recruited, the way that Coach O has traditionally recruited, like it's almost it's almost not the program to say you're going to get a title bump? Like I don't think Alabama necessarily especially in with its more recent national championships i don't know if i would say that they got a title bump because they were signing the number one class whether they won the national championship or not Like, guess does do, have you sensed that lsu beyond like has it anything significant coming from the championship run
1: no i, I mean yeah like it's but it, but yeah i think what you're saying i agree with they, they were already recruiting on that level yeah. so i guess a title bump would be I mean, if they got to the number one class, that would be pretty impressive. If they landed Jordan Birch and McKinley Jackson, that, that could be the title bump. Um, but they, they're they recruiting at such a high level. And what's interesting about this LSU recruiting effort um, is the way it's it's gone national and so much so that the LSU has three of the top 10 guys in the state of Louisiana committed Um Four of the top 25 of the top 20 like that's just that's not those are pretty pretty low numbers for what we're used to seeing out of LSU um, Georgia has like three of the top 25 committed out of the state of Georgia huh so these teams are as successful as they've been on the field as successful as they've been in recruiting they're taking an approach where now hey if we feel like we've have to to, to get into that national title contention with the talent and with our recruiting, we can't do it just with the guys around us. We got to do it nationally. And uh, I think with that approach, you know, by going and winning a national title that that's only going to help in the 2021 class. Not that, not that LSU has a brand that doesn't resonate anyways, but uh, you know, you could see, continue to see that bump. I mean, the bump is happening at Clemson right now like it that 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 seems to be growing almost exponentially by the year as, as in terms of the, the growth of that footprint uh, I mean they just landed the number one player in the country uh, I think last weekend um, and he's out of California uh, they got two guys out of Southern California in this class they got a kid out of Pennsylvania in this class like they' – suddenly Clemson is becoming this powerhouse on the West coast.
0: Yeah. No, uh, number one player from the state of California in back to back cycles. Yeah. For Clemson, little old Clemson, little old Clemson. Okay. Well you, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I, I, I am rem, reminded that you pointed to a similar, you said Texas and Texas A&M don't have a ton of, uh, players from Texas, at least in the class that was signed in December when we were going back to look at it. So is this, it, is this something that we're looking at now for the the programs that truly are trying to build a roster that is going to win a national championship? It is a mentality from a recruiting perspective that just looking around your backyard ain't going to cut it.
1: Definitely, wow! Definitely. I mean, that's uh, I mean Ohio State's the same way. Ohio State has been crushing it in Texas, crushing it in California, uh, crushing it in Florida too. Uh, and so, and Alabama has obviously been very national with the guys they've recruited and two out West and Najee Harris and getting down and they're always getting the Jerry Judy's and, and those guys out of Florida as well. They're getting one or two of those guys every year. So uh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely the case there. And so, but everything there's, 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 um, you know, given a take and all this and every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Right. So like that's, the, the, the balance there's going to be a balance at some point like it, it's i mean I, I really think that georgia probably missed some really good players in their, some, own, in their backyard yeah. that that they probably could have you know taken and been really happy with and 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 they might regret missing on i think L, you could say the same thing about lsu sure in louisiana um so there's so i think as those programs do that and they're you know they may be up there being a thorn in the side of usc and Out West, but maybe that allows for Texas A&M to come in and and have more success in Louisiana, or it's it may allow for Georgia Tech suddenly to to maybe uh, cycle up a little bit by recruiting the you know the passovers from uh, from Georgia in the state of Georgia, and so I I just think it's really interesting to watch how some of these um, vacating of areas sort of affects the greater recruiting landscape
0: because it goes against, um, so many of the more traditional models and the traditional model was, was probably put together when you didn't have every single game on national television and you didn't have air right. travel and it, it wasn't, it It has only gotten exponentially easier to be able to get a human being from their home in a different state to your, uh, your program, your college campus. And so now there's, now, I mean, now that's where, if you are any any one of those like next-level programs, you're salivating at the idea of going into Georgia and finding these players that the Bulldogs have overlooked.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. And and, and, and you know, I, hey, look, Alabama, I think, got a they, – they got a steal out of a kid named Will Anderson, who we moved up. He's out of the state of Georgia. I think, ultimately, Georgia took an, an early commit out of – maryland and mikhail sherman who's a good player but i don't think he is will anderson and you know alabama ended up taking one out of georgia that that probably if if georgia was evaluating that class right now they I, i would guess that they would probably circle back and would want the will anderson kid um and so i think it's just a gamble you're sort of playing it's it's a uh it's a little bit of a balancing act of like, all right, how do we keep our in-state guys happy? How do we, how do we make sure that we're doing our due diligence there, but still making sure that if we're going to compete for national titles, we are very national. Um, and so, yeah, there's, I mean, that's why I think part of the reason Kentucky is having success right now is the way, uh, Michigan and Ohio state and Penn state, are going national, so like, all right, we'll just dip on up into Ohio, and yeah. Take some of those guys y'all used to clean up with, and hey, man, maybe we can get get a couple bowl wins out of this.
0: Um, speaking of Alabama, how how have the Tide been able to defend itself against the negative recruiting that is only going to increase from other rival programs that are going to point to Nick Saban's? um 68 years on planet earth and be like that guy is not going to be there for very long. Like where's cause if i thought about this because some of our not most heated, but when, uh, you, when when we and Tom are on the mailbag and a lot of mailbag questions have been coming in talking about who's going to take over to Alabama for Saban and will it be Dabo and who's going to be the guy? I think that the, the question in, from the mailbag episode, it was a good, good episode. Yeah. Humble break uh, that we said, which of uh, Alabama, Ohio state, Oklahoma, and Clemson is going to be the next one to have a seven win season. And so it came up then again, so, how how is Alabama continuing to recruit within the machine with Nick Saban wearing his uh I think he was in Charlotte recently. He was looking at a kid from Myers Park, Drake May, I think. Yeah. Uh yeah. and I yeah, I was just I saw him there in his little, you know, his crimson blazer and he's wearing his full like Aflac insurance uh you know, get up commercial <laughs> gear. Everything's like color-toned and matching. He's got his championship rings on. He's got a little, his little face. But that man is 68 years old. Like where – at what point are we going to see that starting to become uh, a factor on the recruiting trail?
1: I, I think we'll start to see it become a factor when he stops looking like he can't do 100 push-ups. <laughs> I mean, like he, like the guy looks – his skin tone's good. He's got like good thick head of hair. He's – you know, I mean, he just looks healthy. I mean, this isn't like Joe Pa, you know, like sure. co- coaching from from the press box with a, you know, uh, a replacement knee or something or whatever was was going on with him. Like it, this isn't Bobby Bowden kind of just starting to
0: taking to the golf just, golf cart just yeah, around practice, yeah, just like
1: story time guy <laughs> yeah. and, and nothing else. Like, I mean, Nick Saban is, I, I I just can't imagine that those guys are going to Alabama's camps and. And in their interaction with Nick Saban, they're coming away thinking that this guy's in his twilight years. Uh, so I think Nick Saban is one controlling that. It's just the the fact that he continues to be as engaged and healthy as he is. Um, so I, it's just yeah, you know, it's not the type of thing that ever really. I'm I'm sure it's used. I'm sure that there's all the all the negative recruiting, but there's I've yet to to hear of a recruit to this point who's been, who has said to anyone, I chose this school over Alabama because I'm just not sure how long Nick Saban's going to be there. Sure. I don't, I mean, and, and what's like, What? how long do you like, are we at the point now where we start to think that Nick Saban is, um, is not going to coach the full, uh, tenure of, Anyone recruiting class? Close. Like, do you have your doubts about that?
0: Yes, we're close.
1: So, so like, because I have a hard, I have a hard time getting there right now. That like he's only three years away, you know. And so, I, I, I I'm prepared to at some point, Nick Saban says something, does something, uh, appears in a certain way to where I'm like. uh... That seems a little un-Nick Saban-like, and all right, maybe we'll start the clock now. But are you already at the point where, like, you think that we can start the clock?
0: No, I'm not. But I just – I think that there is a big difference between 70 and 75, and I that's kind of where I've got the – I'm not starting the clock, but if you're asking about staying around through the full cycle of a recruiting class – I think that I think that by the time he hits seventy, that's got to be a fair question.
1: It, yeah, I mean it's a it's a fair question. I just wonder when we're going to see. I mean, it was clear that Joe Paterno was was not operating at the full capacity, and I'm not saying like like I just just like the whole the whole production was just wasn't. It didn't it wasn't confidence inspiring in in your head coach as a as a guy that can handle the whole the totality of the program um, you know I don't know i I would probably say the same thing about Bill Snyder oh, at Bill, the end of it too. It Bill, just in terms of like the, the, the game passing him by, like culturally.
0: Yeah, yeah. It had nothing to do with uh, whether or not he was operating at full capacity. Bill Snyder at the age of 77, 78 was operating at full capacity, as in he was taking bowl gifts away from players that wanted to transfer. <laughs> yeah,
1: He was operating – he maybe needed to like operate it less. Capacity.
0: Yeah, yeah, do – do say less. Do less, Bill Snyder. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, But
1: I like, so Nick, I mean, I, I, Nick Sabin um, you know, I just, he's, he's giving me no, like zero indicate. So, so at, at some point that's going to come, I guess there'll, there'll be a moment and, uh, and there'll be a quote, there'll be something. And I've, I haven't seen that yet.
0: Yeah. And to your point about Joe pop, I mean, that was beyond the age of 80. He was, he was 86. 85, when he died in January of 2012, he was still coaching in 2010 and uh, the first nine games of 2011.
1: What would Nick Saban do if he weren't coaching to just fight, like to make himself miserable? Because that's his whole existence. It's just, that's why he's so good. Is He's just always unsatisfied, always miserable. And I, I, I'm just fascinated by how he's going to fill his day with ways to stay unsatisfied. If he were to be, you know, riding off into the sunset,
0: it's, it's gotta be at the lake, right?
1: Just like, you know, you know, fixing the boat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's, boat maintenance. (laughs) He's, (laughs) he's, he's got five guys out there, uh, working on a new dock. Now the problem is you're not hammering hard enough. (laughs) are we sure that that's structurally
1: sound i got grandkids i got grandkids coming out here (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. it is going to be all taken out on whoever's helping him with projects at the lake house whether it's on the boat or around the house that's where his uh relentlessness and refusal to take anything but the best ends up uh being passed on
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's going to be interesting. I, I look forward to monitoring that.
0: <laughs> Coming up on the other side, more storylines to watch heading into National Signing Day and what teams might be making noise in 2020 next Okay, a couple, a uh, couple more recruiting questions that I have for you. Um, this one, a little bit bigger picture, but as the the carousel always continues to turn, this was something that I I don't always have the best feel for, but I figured that you might. So the which either a head coaching hire or a you know a domino effect from that or assistant coaching hires from this past recent December, January cycle, can you tell have had an impact on some of the moving pieces of, uh, the recruiting scene for national signing day in the 2020 cycle?
1: I guess you told me you're going to ask me this, didn't you? Yeah. I don't have a good, I don't have a good answer. It's the, and the problem is I just, I, I, I should, there's just not a lot of like opportunity for action like there's just there's only so many guys that are high profile that are available that would move the needle in that regard and there's just like it's not the same as it used to be um so i you know i don't know we'll we'll see i mean i think there's some you know joe moorhead's a hire and someone was giving a sell in twitter or in our comments um on the iTunes deal, about not talking Joe Moorhead to to Oregon enough, you know that that's that's one that's a pretty big pull. But I don't like. There's just what is there to even do right now if you're if you're stepping in and you're Joe Moorhead and, and the 2020 class is, is is largely done. And so um, I I don't think that there's I don't think there's a good answer for that. If there is, I I hadn't thought of it.
0: I tried to tie. Uh, what did I try to tie? I tried to, I, I, th- I think that maybe I tried to tie CJ Verdell's decision to stay. Maybe not that it was influenced by it, but just the idea that he could have a Kylan Hill like showing for the ducks next year.
1: Have we talked about Kylan Hill's decision to stay
0: after announcing that he was gone before the bowl game?
1: Oh, did he announce he was gone? I didn't realize that. I thought so, no. he, so he announced he was gone and then Mike Leach was hired and then he decided to come back?
0: No. He decided that he was likely gonna be gone, had sort of mentioned as much to reporters he was gonna, you know, take some time, come up with his decision after the game, then after the bowl game, uh like a couple days passed and he announced he was back before Mike Leach was hired.
1: He announced he's back before, but I thought he was announced after.
0: Oh, really? Okay. I, I,
1: I it was, it was at, at the very least somewhere in that range, but because that was what was so surprising is like this sort of
0: a running back for a, Mike Leach. Play,
1: not only that, but like not, I mean, a uh, very much like a kind of an every down tough guy sort of back um, coming back to play for Mike Leach. Uh, that's going to be I'll be fascinated how they use him they got a really good back coming in this class too. Um, that's, that's in a similar mold. Um, you know, I'm, uh, that's so, so like they've got Mike Leach has got some great running backs at his disposal. Uh, so let's, uh, let's see what he does with them.
0: What that, do you think that Colin Hill's like, Ooh, carries per game going down, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe showcase what he can do in the pass game, I guess.
0: Uh, sp- I mean, like they, they,
1: um, Max Borgie was the guy at Washington state this year. What was, what was, what, what, what I'm just curious what his numbers were? Because uh, he went
0: on Twitter and after, uh, after Leach left, he said, Carrie's going up with a, um, strengthening arm, st- strong arm emoji.
1: Oh, <laughs> did he really? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. So he had last year, he had 817 yards rushing, 6.4 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns, and he had 597 yards receiving. So, you know, he was a productive back, but um, I just want, I'll, I'll be interested in how, how those numbers compare to whatever Colin Hill puts up.
0: Uh, spinning it forward, you mentioned Clemson getting in on the 2021 class. Locking up one of the top players from the State of California, defensive lineman for next year's class. It feels like we are already starting to see that. I mean, we've already uh we've already talked about Georgia Vandergriff. Did I get that right? I pulled the, I don't have Brock, it. Written.
1: Yeah, yeah. Brock Vandergriff.
0: All right, Brock Vandegriff, twenty twenty one uh quarterback committed to Georgia. Um, we've so we've already started to sort of poke our head out, uh, much like much like a Groundhog Day, Poxitani Phil, to start looking at some of those 2021 headlines. Who are some of the other schools or players that have already started to make waves as schools turn their attention beyond this national signing day to the next cycle?
1: I mean, what Clemson is doing early on is silly. They have they, the number one player in the country of California. They've got one of the top receivers in the country from California. They've got a guy that I think will probably has a chance to be a five-star down the road, a defensive lineman named Cade Denoff. They've got a kid named Jeremiah Trotter Jr. He is Jeremiah Trotter's son. He is maybe the best linebacker in the country committed out of Pennsylvania. Like Clemson is back at it. Like don't you know? Same old deal there. Uh, Ohio State's recruiting at a really high level. They've got their quarterback. They've got they've got a five-star defensive end. Um, you know they they they're doing their thing and then you know Notre Dame's got a pretty good start and the whole Brian Kelly thing like Brian Kelly saying publicly in a presser that he thinks that they can and should start recruiting at a top 5 level instead of a top 15 level is you know he's sort of calling his shot there and he's he's off to a pretty nice start in this class in in getting some of those type of guys in they got a quarterback they got a couple of really talented skill guys uh, including one out of, out of Athens, Georgia. So, um, you know, there, those are a few that are off to a pretty strong start. Um, but it's uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll find out a lot more here over the next couple months and then even the next couple weeks. Like I'm going to have a better feel for just sort of who I think is actually good in that 2021 class from a player perspective.
0: Does that come with the, like, camps that they're going to? In the spring camps, but
1: also just like the the film, like the film study, we've been so dialed in on 2020 that um, there's a little bit of uh, uh, like, I wouldn't say unknown, but lack of conviction in in the 2021 players. Um, So, you know, we're we're taking advantage of having all this time to get our 2020 rankings right for posterity's sake. But uh, now it's time to start turning the page, and we'll we'll get a better feel for that class. Then,
0: man, that's ah uh, the the real downside of having just an incredible database. And one of the things that I don't need to tell you, but the listeners may or may not realize, is that like twenty four seven sports, like its its entire database of information, the wealth of information, how well it is organized, has been a real key to uh, becoming the industry leader in the recruiting services, in my opinion. The other side of that is that Barton's got to make sure that the stuff is right right up until the end because people can go back and look at the old rankings.
1: And because I'm going to go back and grade them all anyways, and I want to be able to say I won. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we're the, and we're the champions
0: so <laughs> so. so you're you're tr- you want to get the success for yourself that's good for you to set that high bar for yourself to always be trying to to meet it because i feel like my first place that i went was uh thinking that if i was working at a at at, at a cheaper site that just washed the old uh washed the old rankings away who cares but you want to do it for for posterity's sake respect that's right that's right any
1: and, anyone can say that they uh you know, make excuses or, or claim that they got it right and you know just def- redefine how they got it right every year but you know we got to go back and really grade it out and do the check the nfl draft and look at the numbers and then that way we can actually claim objectively we were first or maybe second or third
0: all right now we're going to play a quick little game before we get out of here Maybe this, it's a little bit like, and we've, uh, if you want to get in on the next mailbag episode, went back and I started uh, peering through, started grabbing more questions so we could get ready for next Monday, uh, you can still do that. You go to the Cover 3 podcast page, five-star review, um, and get your question in there, in the review section. We will add it to the mailbag, and uh, not Brian Floyd, I got you. It did work as you uh as you tried to make sure that your question was getting through the inner tubes. It did arrive in our mailbag and uh, and we'll be addressing that on Monday. So, you know, this is uh this is not gonna be the win totals. You know, we'll be count them up in uh in June or July. So we're I yeah, don't want don't,
1: to don't infringe on our on our win totals trademarks.
0: Our our award winning uh win totals trademarks, but there was at CBSsports.com, friend of the podcast, Dennis Dodd, put together uh, six college football teams that can crack the top twenty-five and make some noise in twenty twenty. And he's, you can go and you can see his explanation for his selections there. But it was an interesting bunch because none of the teams that he named, as you might expect from a below the radar type exercise, are ones that I would have put, uh, you know, necessarily in the mix for, you know, making noise or, or you know, competing for division titles. And so I was like, all right, so what, how, what do I think about these teams? And so, Barton, what I've got is I've got five power five teams and I've gone through the schedule and I've taken – By minutes. the way,
1: Dijon Edwards has committed to Georgia as we've been on this call, the running back. So I would assume that means Zach Evans will not be back at Georgia. So – Proceed.
0: Breaking news. Di- yeah. Dijon Evans. Edwards. Edwards. Dijon mm-hmm. Edwards. Zach Evans. Zach just so want to Evans. make sure our podcast Dijon. is
1: updated if whenever people listen to it and hear me talk about how that Zach Evans could end up at Georgia. You know, i got to put that. Sounds, sounds like it in. ain't happening. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh, here we go. We're going to start with Cal. So, Cal Bears, uh, next season, the way that I've got this broken down, I've got – Only two guaranteed wins. I'm thinking, man, how's Cal going to make some noise? UNLV and Cal Poly. I'll give them those wins. The the toss-ups, I've got five toss-ups. So I've got two wins, five toss-ups, and five losses for Cal (coughs) next year. Justin Wilcox, looking for a breakthrough year. The losses, I've got Utah, at USC, Oregon, Washington, at Arizona State, got any issues with those?
1: You're just like, th- wait, you're just throwing a, a loss to Arizona State and and even USC, just throwing it right on their plate. Yes. Who'd you say? You said Utah, USC, Arizona State. Who's the other one? Oregon, Oregon Washington?
0: Oregon and Washington.
1: I, I I mean I I would not I'm not gonna I am no I disagree with that. Okay. They get one of those They get one of those teams every year. It seems like okay don't they
0: my toss-ups are tcu how about that a cheese it bowl rematch on the non-con schedule uh at washington state at oregon state i am very bullish on oregon state and our beloved beavers stanford and ucla tcu at washington state at oregon state stanford and ucla are my toss-ups uh
1: i i well look i the Bottom line is you are still pers- you are like still viewing Cal Cal as a l- lower tier Pac twelve team. Yes. So you so basically you're just saying you don't think they make the they're, they're making the leap.
0: Correct. I think uh, I've so I've got th- guess the record at five and seven.
1: I I would I, I would disagree with that. Okay. I think I have a little more faith in Justin Wilcox. We saw what the offense looked like with Chase Garbers, which was much improved. Like that's been part of the problem is just no quarterback. So I think that they have. And look, hey, what is this? Dodd looks like he hasn't beaten Utah, and uh, I'm not going to put that past them, That they can't beat Utah after all the you know, all the talent that Utah loses. So I'm going to say no. I'm I, I I like the other side of that.
0: All right, uh, Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State, interestingly enough, also plays UNLV. I'll give Iowa State the UNLV win. I'll also give Iowa State South Dakota. I'll give Iowa State Texas Tech. I will give Iowa State at Kansas. And I'll give Iowa State West Virginia. So I've got five wins. I only have two losses that I see for Iowa State. That would be Oklahoma at home. And, of course, they've shown they can win that game, but we're just trying to guess the record here. At Oklahoma State are my two losses. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, at Oklahoma State, those are the two losses. My toss-up games for Iowa State at Iowa. I mean, who can ever know what's going to happen in that game? Yeah. Kansas State at home, at TCU, Baylor, and at Texas. So I've got five wins for Iowa State, South Dakota, UNLV, Texas Tech, at Kansas, West Virginia. I've got five toss-ups at Iowa, Kansas State, at TCU, baylor at texas and only two losses oklahoma and oklahoma state
1: i mean that sounds fair matt campbell needs to have his breakthrough year
0: i and that's what i'm saying is i've got that at like seven and five you could talk me into eight and four if we want to flip like the Cy Hawk game but that that doesn't sound it like just sitting here january 30th you know a lot of time to rethink this but if we're if you know, you're you're right about that storyline. Matt Campbell supposedly, you know, one of the the coaches on the rise, but as I'm looking at Iowa State's 2020 schedule, I kind of feel like 7 and 5, 8 and 4 is where they're going to land yet again.
1: Yeah, th- this is um I don't know, this is where we decide whether or not we dump the Kool-Aid or whether we uh fill it up again because I mean, they were they were competitive all year long for the most part, but yeah, you know, this this wasn't. Hey, I, 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 they made me wrong, man. My ten and two Iowa State Cyclones were not ten and two.
0: That's so right. <laughs> I don't want
1: to. So this is one of those deals. Like, I don't know if I want to get sucked back into this again and like be wrong again and just be the Matt Campbell sucker for all time. Uh, <laughs> so, maybe, so maybe I'll just like to hedge my bets. Uh, jump off the train. I don't know. I'll have to, I'm gonna have to dig on that one.
0: We'll come over here. Cause I've got some Kool-Aid for you. It's in the little apple and it's purple. As I'm looking at Kansas state's 2020 schedule, I'm giving Kansas state wins, Buffalo, North Dakota, Vanderbilt at West Virginia, Kansas and Texas tech. I got six wins for Kansas state and I only got one loss. One. That's to Oklahoma. My toss-ups are Texas, at TCU, at Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and at Baylor. Five toss-ups. I'm even willing to give Kansas State two and three in the toss-ups, and that has the Wildcats at eight and four.
1: So the only problem with the Kansas State is – I'm just looking at their depth chart right now. red sh- offensive line, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior, redshirt senior. That's that 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 extends to the tight end. So one, two, three, four, five redshirt seniors, plus a redshirt senior tight end. <laughs> like, I mean, I, that's a that's a. For a team that was built on just of on just this physical run game, I don't know, man. That's a lot to that's a lot to
0: overcome. Only one guaranteed loss. Kansas <laughs> State in twenty twenty. Chris <laughs> Kleiman <laughs> figures it out.
1: I mean, they got the quarterback back. That's nice. Yeah,
0: Skylar Thompson's back. I uh all right, Kentucky. Kentucky's got the most beautiful layout because I feel like I could look at most Kentucky football schedules and as I play the win-loss toss-up game, it's always going to be 4-4-4, right? Like Kentucky, the wins, Eastern Michigan, Kent State, right. Eastern Illinois, Vanderbilt.
1: And there's going to be a couple of those games that look super ugly. They're going to – Kent State or Eastern Illinois or something early in the season, the, the, the score is going to be like 22-16. to 16. <laughs> And, uh, and we're going to start thinking Kentucky's not very good this year.
0: The four losses. And then the, then the other four come. <laughs> yeah. Four losses are Florida, at Auburn, at Tennessee, and Georgia. And then the four toss-ups, South Carolina, at Missouri, Mississippi State, at Louisville. How would you split up the toss-ups?
1: Um. I think their offensive line is going to be really good again, isn't, isn't it? Yeah. I think they get some pretty good players back there. And so that element is still, is going to be consistent and has been consistent. Um, uh, Terry Wilson back at quarterback. Their defense last year was sort of their reload year at defense. And so I would imagine their defense is going to be improved from an already pretty solid unit. I don't know. Maybe maybe next year's the year to bet on Kentucky again.
0: I think I I mean seventeen starters back. I think that they can go three and one in their toss ups. I've got them seven and five. Watch oh, them man, catch I'm, a five and a half win total.
1: Maybe, but sometimes Vegas is smart about this stuff. I mean, Vegas gave us like what a six and a half win total for Stanford.
0: Yeah, and we thought may they were crazy. make on
1: us and like yeah go like seven and a half or something. And I don't know. This might be the this might be the year in our CBS Sports expert preseason picks where I don't have to just like slot Kentucky into the last one of the last two spots in the SEC East. Right. And I can and I can roll with them and just go put them up there at number 3 or something.
0: Mm-hmm. And then finally uh, we are the the we were the first podcast to tell you the Oklahoma State National Championship hype was underway. So let us continue as I tell you that of all the schools that I've broken down here, Cal, Iowa state, Kansas state, Kentucky, not one of them has more guaranteed W's than Oklahoma state. I've got Oregon state, Tulsa, Western Illinois, Iowa state, Kansas, Texas tech, West Virginia, all wins seven guaranteed W's for the Cowboys. I do have one guaranteed L Uh, No matter how many times we try to make the Bedlam rivalry a thing, it's just a game that's won by Oklahoma. Oklahoma State fans will be the first ones to tell you it is just a game that is won by Oklahoma. My toss-ups are at TCU, at Baylor, at Kansas State, and Texas. And I think the most dangerous in that run is actually at Kansas State because you already heard my confidence for Kansas State, and that game is in that trap sort of like, Right before the end of the season, after Bedlam, before a regular season finale against Texas at home, but I still say they go three and one in the four toss ups of at TCU, at Baylor, at Kansas State, and Texas. Oklahoma State going ten and two.
1: Hell yeah, they are. I mean, at least, at least. They Maybe they may they're may going twelve and zero. If they're not twelve and zero, they'll be ten and two. Yeah, let's get the man, let's get this hype train rolling. Like, let's get it all the way going. Oklahoma State is going to like worst case scenario this year is an eleven and one season. Mm. How's that? How's that sound coming out of your mouth?
0: <laughs> it sounds great hitting my earwaves. That's for sure.
1: We're January thirtieth. I mean, I I it's I'm gonna need to to really like. I, don't know, I need to. I might need to get talked down off of this ledge, but right now I'm. 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 I love. I just love the concept of it. I love like. I love the feel of this Oklahoma State scream it from the mountaintops type of vibe. I'm. I'm kind of into it.
0: The best. Uh. In. Inter, We actually have a couple, uh, Kyle Boone, who does a great job with college basketball, NBA draft, also helps us out in college football and uh, does a little bit of golf work as well. He's an Oklahoma State guy. Kyle Porter is the best golf writer in America. Uh, he's also an Oklahoma State guy, and I happen to oversee, I guess, telecommuting, weird world, but they were talking about our podcast because uh, – um, Somebody was like, "Hey, did did you guys listen to the latest episode of the Cover Three podcast?" And Kyle Boone said, "Yeah, I started it, and it was nothing but Baylor talk for like fifteen minutes." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, well, we did hit the
1: Matt rule. We hit the Matt rule uh, dilemma pretty hard for there for a couple weeks.
0: Well, I mean, and as as I think I admitted on the last podcast, was it was Baylor the most interesting, or was it just the one that I had the most time to think about? Right. You know? Yeah. It's just the way it works yeah. sometimes. All right. Well, we're we're
1: gonna we're gonna we're we're gonna load up on Oklahoma State listeners here over the next six months.
0: Oh and bring, Georgia bring Oklahoma State and Georgia. Yep. Our elite yep. our those, allegiances for twenty twenty have been set.
1: Those are <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That's that's get get out, get to the Fanatics website. Order up some packages, some scare packages. I need I need some gear for this year.
0: <laughs> that's right. You thought that you had gotten some stalker (laughs) gift from someone no it's just tom (laughs) (laughs) all right you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can follow me at chip underscore patterson now make sure that you're subscribed to the cover three podcast we will be back with you next monday for a mailbag and news edition of the show we will have a recap of national signing day lots more fun coming up the rest of the month including uh grading the coaching press conferences we're going to be taking a look at some of the the big names in the transfer portal and then before you know it it's going to be around march and we're going to already start turning the page towards spring practice all that plus book club and more i mean why you should be subscribed it's that simple martin thank you very much old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars. and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts